Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning. Christ Church Kingwood is a Christ-centered church that seeks to proclaim the gospel in both word and deed by glorifying God and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we worship together in the ministry of the word. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. You can be seated. We're going to pray together. We just read from Revelation, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Father God, lead us into worship this morning. Make us a people who marvel at your glory and your love. Make us a church that seeks after righteousness through the power of your spirit as we proclaim that you are our only hope in life and death. To the praise of your glorious grace. Amen. Oh, good morning. Happy New Year. Good to be here. Hope your resolutions are still intact. Good luck with that. I believe in you. Uh, It's great to be here this morning as we kick off our series on the mission and vision of Christ Church Kingwood. And we do this almost every year. So this isn't going to be new information for many of you. But that is okay. Because just like Advent is this yearly reminder about what God has done and what he is doing as we await the return of Christ and the fulfillment of all that God has promised, we need to remember again and again why it is that we gather here together. We need to remember God's vision for his church and what he has called us to as his people. And the reality is, we are a forgetful people. We are easily distracted. Our own flesh in the world can can so easily draw our attention away from the reality of who we are in Christ. From the power that has been promised to us in him. And this call on our lives as the people of God. It's easy for us to try and make what we're doing here about us, about our success or our comfort. So we need the reminder. We are constantly bombarded with counterfeit joys and promises of satisfaction outside of God. We're given endless avenues to try and find ourselves, to carve out some identity for ourselves out of this confused world. But as believers, we of all people should be a confident people. Not a prideful people, not a puffed up people, but secure in our identity, secure in the call on our lives, 
Because our identity does not rest in what we do or what we have or how we look. We're not defined by rich or poor, black, white, artistic, analytic, homeschool, public school. We are children of the living God. We are citizens of God's kingdom, united by him and sent out together into this world to proclaim a hope and a joy that is both unwavering and eternal. And we do this both confidently and humbly. And we do it imperfectly, right? We stumble and fumble and fail along the way, but we know that our identity and our acceptance, the love that we have from God, is not rooted in our actions towards God, but in his actions and his love for us. This is our hope and our joy This is our message for the world because at the end of the day, what we're doing here is not about me and it's not about you. It's not even about this church. Well, I do pray that this church would continue to grow in size and health and maturity. We're not here to make our name great. We're not here so that one day everyone in Northeast Houston will know about Christ Church Kingwood. We are here to proclaim the name of Jesus. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. We exist to make much of the name of Jesus. This church exists to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. Which is why rather than every week we ask you to Twitter or Facegram or Insta post how wonderful hashtag worship was at hashtag Christchurch, right? We're not going to do that. Rather than asking you to boost the hype about this place, because it's a pretty hyped up place, right? Yeah. We implore you to be people of the word and people of prayer and people of hospitality to both grow in the love of Jesus and to show the love of Jesus to others. We want our existence to make the name of Jesus famous, not his existence to make our name famous. We exist to make much of Jesus. With that said, We do place a tremendous value on fellowship and evangelism and and serving. We want to foster a culture of discipleship and prayer and missions. But these things are not the point. They're not why we gather. We gather because we have been united by the blood of Jesus Christ. We gather because we are a people who have been brought from death to life by Jesus and he now lives in us through the Holy Spirit. The point is not what we do, but what Christ has done and what he is doing. We are a people trying to live out the reality that Paul proclaimed in Galatians 2.20 that I have been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's what we want to be about. 
And it is in obedience to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and for the glory of God that everything else flows. We are about Jesus. Now, that's kind of like the Cliff Notes version of our vision. When I say we're about Jesus, what that means is that we want to be about what Jesus is about. Because as we just read, it is no longer I, it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. And Jesus is about the glory of God, and he is about making disciples. Which is why our vision at Christ Church Kingwood is that we exist to glorify God and make disciples through gospel-centered worship, gospel-centered community, gospel-centered service, and gospel-centered growth. And we're going to work through each of these over the next few weeks, but today I want to focus in on the glory of God as the driving force for everything we do. And then we're going to talk just a little bit about how worship is the fuel for the mission of making disciples. So, The natural question that we must first address is, why is the glory of God the foundation of our vision at this church? It's a wonderful question. Thank you for asking. I've already said that Jesus is about God's glory, but in order to answer this question more fully, we have to look kind of beyond ourselves and beyond this church. We have to look high enough to see what God is doing. Because it doesn't really matter how great our vision is or how many people show up on Sunday or how successful we appear. If we're not rooted in what God is doing and what he's called us to as a church, we're kind of wasting our time. So what is God doing? Not just here in this community or in our lives, but on a grand scale, like creation grand scale. What's he trying to accomplish? And if you want to do like a fun experiment, you can just walk around and ask people, what is God about? What is his mission in the world? What's the most important thing? And I can assure you the answers will be all over the map. But what I can also tell you with certainty is that many of them will tell you that God's ultimate mission in the world is about us. We're the mission. That everything exists so that God might save us, that he might rescue us. And it's really not hard to get there. God created us. He loves us. He protects us and cares for us. Just look at all the promises in the Bible and it's easy to to deduce that we must be the point. We are what God is after. We are what God is all about. And that line of thinking isn't entirely off. God is for you. God loves you. God provides for you. God leaves the 99 to seek out the one lost sinner. But there is a motivation behind all of this protecting and guiding and loving that goes well beyond you and I. If you turn to Psalm 23, 
very famous. Chances are some of you have the bookmark or the coffee mug or maybe the cross stitch in the bathroom. Diana? It's a popular verse. Psalm 23, starting in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, if we stop right there, we could make a pretty good case that God is all about us. He is loving and restoring and providing. He is leading us beside still waters. And there are a thousand other verses where we can see God's loving kindness towards us and if we're not careful, miss his motivation behind it. But when we look at the end of verse 3, what does it say? Why does God do all of these things? What's God's ultimate motivation? He says, for the glory or for his name's sake. For his name's sake. God is leading and guiding and restoring for the sake of his name, not mine. So God didn't look down and say, Patrick, you are amazing. You're amazing. You're nailing it. You fit the criteria that I'm looking for on my team. I need you. That's not what happened. The immeasurable love God showed me by sending Jesus to die is not a testament to my greatness. It's a testament to his greatness. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. While we were enemies... God redeemed us from sin so that we would experience his love and mercy and grace and proclaim his glory to the ends of the earth. It was for the sake of his name. God's overarching motivation for everything he does is the praise of his glory. The trajectory of redemptive history is the glory of God. As we read in Habakkuk 2.14, the end game, the culmination of everything God is doing is that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Total saturation with the glory of God. And this is a paradigm-shifting truth that flies in the face of a culture that often represents God as a semi-aloof or impotent God who really just exists to do his best to make us happy. Most people wouldn't explicitly say that God is about me, but if the only time God comes into focus in our lives is when things go bad, when we're struggling or hurting or we, we need him to come through for us, then that's really what we're saying. He's, he's about us. And this idea that God is first and foremost about his glory is far different than the pop Christian message of our day. And, and really, honestly, the first inclination for many of us when we hear this is, is to push back against it. I did the first time I heard it, and then I actually looked at what God says about himself in his word. It's amazing what's inside that book. It's crazy. That's why we push the Bible reading plan. Not because we want to control your time or give you one more task to do, 
but we, we kind of live in a biblically illiterate Christian culture. We, we just do. People don't actually know what Scripture says. They listen to pastors tell them what Scripture says, and they take whatever was said by them, and they think that it's the Word of God. And they rarely, if ever, actually take the time to see what God says about himself in his word. But when we do dig into the scriptures, a very clear theme begins to emerge. God created us for his glory. He called Israel for his glory. He defeated Pharaoh by the Red Sea for his glory. He gave Israel the promised land for his glory. And on and on and on. And then you get to the New Testament. It's not any different. Jesus sought the glory of the Father in all he did. Jesus told us to do good works so that God would get the glory. Jesus says that he answers prayers so that God would be glorified. Jesus endured his final hours of suffering for the glory of God. God sent his son to vindicate the glory of his righteousness. Which brings us back to Habakkuk 2.14. The trajectory of redemptive history. For the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The whole earth. So what I want you to see is that the reason the vision of this church begins with we exist to bring glory to God is not because we thought it was catchy or cool or that it might be something that people would get on board with, right? God exists to help you find your inner champion. That's going to attract a lot more people than God exists for his glory, not yours, right? But here's the thing. If we really think that there's a champion hiding out in our innermost being, then we don't need Jesus. If we think we can merit God's favor by our own righteousness or save ourselves, we we don't need Jesus. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is our champion. You are not. It's not a marketing fail. Our vision for this church is God's glory because God's vision for his church is his glory. God's love towards us is not God making much of us, but rather setting us free to make much of him. We have to get that. God's love towards us is not God making much of us, but God setting us free, purchasing us from death, adopting us as sons and daughters so that we might make much of him. And this is infinitely good news because our ultimate joy is inseparable from his glory. And I know some might say, well, isn't it arrogant if or prideful if God is all about his own glory? That's a good question. If I was all about my own glory, the answer would be a definite yes. But if you think for a moment, what is the greatest gift that God could ever give us? What's the one thing in the whole universe that is more glorious and perfect than anything else? It's not money. It's not power or sparkly things. It's not even heaven. 
It is God himself. And God desires, and God's desire is that we would not settle for anything less than his perfect, glorious presence. Our ultimate joy is found in him. And he wants us to experience the joy of communion with him. So when he seeks his own glory, when he calls us to worship in spirit and truth, he is seeking our greatest joy for us. Through the blood of Jesus, God was making a way for us to enter into his presence. He's calling us to not settle for counterfeit joys in the things of this world but to find everlasting joy in the intimate presence of our creator God. Our joy and his glory go hand in hand. So when we pursue the glory of God, we are pursuing our ultimate satisfaction and joy at the same time. So as I said, our vision here at Christ Church Kingwood is to bring glory to God because God's vision for us is his glory. This is the foundation of everything else we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. We exist, we have been redeemed and set free to bring glory to God. And the way we do this as a church, the call on our lives as the church is to make disciples. It's to make disciples. This is how we fulfill God's vision for the church. We've been called to worship God, to proclaim his glory, and to draw others into the proclamation of his glory. That's what it means to make disciples, to draw people in to worship, into following Jesus in glorifying the Father. And Jesus makes this call clear, right? Before ascending into heaven after the resurrection, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Jesus said it, go make disciples. This is why we gather every Sunday. This is why we meet in homes. This is why we support missions efforts, both locally and globally. And over the next few weeks, we're going to walk through how we plan and hope to accomplish this vision of making disciples for the glory of God by unpacking these four ways that we can go about it. And they're gospel-centered worship, gospel-centered community, gospel-centered service, and gospel-centered growth. And as you probably noticed, they all start with gospel-centered because what gives meaning and breathes life into each of these words is gospel centrality. We're not just after community, right? You can get that at Starbucks. We're after gospel-centered community. We're not just after service, but gospel-centered service. We're not just after growth, but gospel-centered growth. In everything we do, we want to rejoice in and be motivated by the perfect, sinless life, the wrath-absorbing death, and the triumphant resurrection of Jesus Christ. We want the gospel, gospel to be the lens through which we view every area of our lives, the lens through which we 
read every command in Scripture. So as we move forward as a church with the vision of bringing glory to God and making disciples, the gospel must saturate every aspect of the life of this community. It's not a call to perfection in all we do, but a call to walk in humility and grace and utter dependence upon Christ, knowing that his perfect sacrifice has set us free to make much of God. And so that's where we're headed over the coming weeks. And this morning, I just want to say a few words about gospel-centered worship. And then over the next three weeks, we're going to talk through these other points And then finally, we're going to pull it all together and talk about the gospel-centered church. But worship is our response to both who God is and what he has done through Jesus Christ. That is, because God is the sovereign creator and sustainer of life, he is worthy of our worship. But the reason we talk about gospel-centered worship is because it's through Christ that we are given the fullest picture of the greatness of our God. It is through Christ that the justice and mercy and love and power and sovereignty of God are put on vivid display. And it is through Christ that we are freed from being simply distant observers of God's glory to active participants in his plan of redemption, right? We've been called into that plan. The gospel sets us free and enables us to worship God in fullness and truth because God now dwells in us. And gospel-centered worship is the fuel for everything else we're going to talk about in the coming weeks, It informs and ignites the way we invest in community, the way we serve, and the way we engage this world with the truth of Jesus. Gospel-centered worship moves us to action. It moves us to proclamation. And a lack of worship, or better put, misappropriated worship, brings spiritual stagnation and discontentment. It makes us ineffective and unfruitful in the gospel. It robs us of joy. If we're not drawn into worship by all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ, if the internal effect of the gospel does not make Jesus the ultimate treasure of our hearts, then the outward effect of the gospel, that is the spiritual fruit of our lives in all these other areas will be stifled because making disciples is first and foremost about making gospel-centered worshipers. But to do this, our worship must first be informed and evoked by the gospel. It's very simple. So what I hope you see and understand this morning about worship is that we are all by nature worshipers. We are worshipers. It's what we are created to do. It is how God made us. We are all worshipers. And the best gauge of what it is that we are worshiping at any given moment is what we find the most enjoyment and delight in. What we think about 
the most, what we talk about the most, what we tell people about the most. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what occupies our thoughts and our words? What consumes our minds when we lay down in bed at night? Where do our minds wander during the day? These are all an indication of what we worship. And we are all worshipers. That's how God created us. So the danger of sin is not that we cease to worship, but that we worship wrongly. We worship things that cannot sustain, that cannot bring lasting joy, that cannot uphold us when life gets hard. Things that can be gone in an instant, whether it be football or finances or that perfectly clean house. When we say this thing has importance in my life, we are entering into an act of worship. We're ascribing worth to something over and above other things. And these things are not all bad. But when we value created things over the creator himself, when we look for joy, hope, satisfaction, security in these created things, we have entered into what scriptures call idolatry. It's called idolatry. It is misappropriated worship. And so gospel-centered worship is ascribing ultimate value and finding ultimate joy in the person of Jesus Christ. It's finding such joy and satisfaction in him that we cannot remain silent, right? The rocks are going to cry out. We're so overwhelmed by the glory and love of Jesus, that we must complete our joy by proclaiming that our only hope in life and death is Jesus Christ. See, God is passionate about your joy. I pray that you would see that this morning. He's so passionate about your joy that he sent his son to lay down his life so that we might be eternally united with him. Because when we experience abundant joy and satisfaction in God, when we worship God in spirit and in truth, we get the joy and he gets the glory. This is my prayer for this community. That praise and honor and worship would resound from the walls of this church and from our lives. That we would not simply go through the Christian motions of good deeds and church attendance but that we would treasure Christ above all else. That his heart would become our heart. That our lives would be a testament to the glory of our God as we experience the joy that he has promised to all who trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So let me close out with Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, make us a people who worship you in spirit.
and in truth. And a people who draw others into worshiping your name. God, overwhelm us by your love and your glory to such a degree that we cannot remain silent. That we cannot help but proclaim your glory and goodness into this lost world. And God, we pray that we here at this church would see life brought out of death. That we would be faithful to live and proclaim the truth of the gospel. And that we would see your spirit transform hearts in our midst. That you might get the glory and we would get the joy. Amen. Praise God Thank you for worshiping with us through the preaching of God's Word. We exist to glorify God by making disciples. We would love to have you join us in person as we gather together on Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Covenant Preparatory School on Hamlin Road in Kingwood, Texas. To learn more about Christ Church Kingwood, visit our website at ChristChurchKingwood.org.